0: So today, we're going to cover part two of the lesson we started two weeks ago, since we were going last week, uh, talking about God's twofold purpose. Um, so if you look at, we'll cover uh, a quick review from what we talked about the other week. If you look at Ephesians 1, through 9-11, it says that, Having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, Which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. So you have there in verse 10 in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. So you have these two different realms that God created. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. So he created uh, these two realms. If you look at Luke 1, verse 68 through 70, here Zechariah is prophesying, and he says, uh, verse sixty-eight. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for He hath visited and redeemed His people, and have raised up in horn of salvation for us in the house of the servant David, as He spake by the mouth of His holy prophets, which have been since the world began. Do so you have things spoken by the prophets since the world began? So God created the heaven and the earth, and you have prophecy uh, and things spoken since the world began. Right. Um, if you look at Romans sixteen twenty-five. Contrast to what uh, Zechariah and Peter also says that in Acts 3 talks about things spoken since the world began. In Romans 16, verse 25, Paul says, Now to him that has a power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret since the world began. So Paul says, There was a mystery of Jesus Christ. Uh, which was kept secret since the world began. In Ephesians 3, uh, he talks about how this mystery was hid in God before the world began. So it's before Genesis 1-1, God already had this mystery, and it was hid in God. So in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, then he had things spoken since it began, but he also had this mystery, which was kept secret uh, since the world began. And So last week, we covered things spoken since the world began and how God... Adam's sin, which corrupted the earth, right? So God reveals a purpose to redeem the things on earth, right? And how He's going to do that through Israel and also through, of course, Jesus Christ, and how He will be king over Israel in their kingdom, right? And how the Gentiles will flow through it, uh, flow to that kingdom, right? Where Jesus is in righteousness. Um, We looked at some of the verses in prophecy that talk about that. I think it's in Zechariah 8, it talks about 10 men grabbing the skirt of him that isn't a Jew, just to go back to. Jerusalem, right? To see Jesus Christ and to see the kingdom. Uh, so that's how God would use his people to uh, bring salvation to the world and righteousness, right? Uh, and so today we're going to look at uh, God's plan for heavenly places. Uh, so this plan was kept secret since the world began, which we read in Romans sixteen twenty five, 25. Ephesians 3, 9 says it was hidden in God. In Colossians 1, 25 through 28 Paul says whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God even the mystery which had been hid from ages and from generations but now is made manifest to his saints to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles which is Christ in you the hope of glory. Right. So you have Paul who says he was given this mystery which happens here at Acts 9. The mystery given to Paul. So, this is right while we are mid Acts, uh, as we understand, this mystery was kept secret until it was given to Paul, right? And it's different than the things that were spoken since the world began. Um, and this has to do with God's heavenly purpose. Um, it's interesting, like I said, we talked about Adam's sin on earth and how he corrupted the earth. Right, it was through Adam's sin that death came on the earth and the curse, and how God will redeem that, uh, and how he revealed his earthly plan to redeem that. Uh, but in Genesis 3, 1, it says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden so you have this serpent in Genesis 3.1 that comes on the scene. Uh, we learn in Revelation that this serpent is Satan. We get Revelation 12. Verse 9, it says, And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. So you have this uh, serpent, which is Satan, right there in the garden. Satan enters the scene. Um, And in verse 4 of Revelation 12, it says, His tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered for to devour her child as soon as it was born. So, you have this serpent drawing the star, a third part of the stars of heaven, which is some of the angels, right? Satan uh, has carried away some of the angels from heaven in his rebellion against God. If you look at Luke 10, verse 18, Jesus says, uh, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Right? And so you have Jesus who says, He beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. If you go to Isaiah 14, verse 12, it says, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? And as you read through this, it's clear that it's talking about Satan. Right? How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, right? son of the morning? So you have... At some point, here there's different theories on when it happened. We're not given uh, that much information, but you have Satan rebelling in heaven, right? In heavenly places. Um, and so he corrupted part of the heavenly places, right? Which is why God has to bring all things in Christ, both on earth and in heavenly places, because there are places in the heavens that have been corrupted by Satan, right? And the fallen angels. Um, And so that's part of this plan that God uh, has revealed. Uh, Part of the reason this mystery purpose was kept secret uh, has to do with heavenly places. But if you look at 1 Corinthians 2, verse 7 and 8, it tells us part of the reason why God kept it secret. Verse 6, Paul says, Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor are the princes of this world that come to naught. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of the world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. So, of course, this hidden wisdom, this mystery, it uh, starts with the gospel, right, with the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, And it says part of the reason he kept it a mystery, that purpose, was because if the princes of this world had known it, they wouldn't have crucified him, right? They would have tried to prevent the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, if they knew what that would ultimately bring. So that explains part of the reason why this mystery was kept secret. Uh, But the mystery is the body of Christ. right? It's that new creature that we talked about uh, a few weeks ago, uh, which is stated in 2 Corinthians 5.17, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, behold, all things are become new. Right? So if you are in Christ, you are part of this new creature, uh, this body of Christ that he is creating. In Galatians 6 verse 15, right, your status in the flesh does not matter in this dispensation. It matters whether or not you are in Christ, whether or not you are part of this new creature. Uh, it says, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. Right? So it doesn't matter if you're uncircumcised or circumcised. Uh, what matters is whether or not you are in the body of Christ, right? whether or not you are saved. Uh, Ephesians 5, verse 30 through 32, tells us that the mystery has to do with the body of Christ. He says, For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. Speaking of us being members of the Lord, we're members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. All right, so this mystery that he's talking about concerns Christ and the church, right The body of Christ which is Jew and Gentile in one in Christ Jesus. It is that that he revealed to fall, right And you're put into that body by grace through faith. right? You're saved by grace, grace through faith in Christ Jesus. Um, that's how you become a member of this new creature. Uh, you're there in Ephesians. You look at Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9. It says, For by grace you are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. All right. So you're saved by grace through faith in Christ, and what he did uh, for you by his death and resurrection uh, It's not of your works. Romans 4, 23 through 25 Says that was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for us also to whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses, who was raised again for our justification. Right? He died for your sins, for your offenses, and was raised again for your justification, so that you could have eternal life. Right? That is the gospel, and upon faith in that is how you become a member of this body of Christ, uh, which concerns the mystery. Uh, we learned that if you are a member of this body, you have a position in heavenly places. Uh, you find this in Ephesians verse 1, uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. It said, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who have blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. So you have all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. If you look at Ephesians 2, 6-7, through seven, it says, He hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places uh, in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace and His kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Right, so He's raised you up together and made you sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Right? You have that position in Christ as a member of the body of Christ. Let's look at 2 Timothy 4, verse 18. Paul says, The Lord shall deliver me from every evil work and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. All right, so, Paul had the hope of being in the heavenly kingdom, right, with Christ forever, uh, being in that heavenly position that he had in Christ Jesus. So, this is important to understand that the body of Christ has a heavenly position, right? When you compare it to what was revealed in prophecy, God promised the 12 apostles that they would sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel on the earthly kingdom. Right. You, as a member of the body of Christ, have a heavenly position. You're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So again, that's where Satan corrupted. Right. So when you think about it, God's going to use the body of Christ to help redeem the heavenly places uh, because those positions will be vacant. Right. He's going to kick Satan and his angels out there in Revelation at the end times, and we likely will fill those positions. Right. And that's how God's going to use the body of Christ uh, to help redeem the heavenly places. Uh, you don't just go to heaven and have a good old time, as most people right think. Uh, you will have a job to do, right? You'll be doing something out there. You'll have a position in heavenly places. Uh, if you look at First Corinthians six verse three, Uh, in verse one, it says, "Dare any of you, having a matter against another, go to law before the unjust and not before the saints? Do you not know that the saints shall judge the world, and if the world shall be judged by you, are ye unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Know ye not that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life?" Uh, so again, you have the twelve apostles were given a position to judge uh, the twelve tribes of Israel, right? And when you look at Revelation and the kingdom that comes, it talks about the 12 apostles' name being on the 12 foundations. Um, But here it talks about, know ye not that ye shall judge angels, which is interesting, right, what that will entail. But apparently we have a position in heavenly places and we will judge angels, right? Because we are in Christ Jesus and we have a position higher than the angels in Christ, right, being members of his body. Uh, So that has to do with this mystery that he revealed to Paul, right? So again, you can see how uh, these go together, Adam's sin corrupted the earth, and God revealed a purpose for the earth to have all things in Christ through his nation of Israel, who will help in judging the earth, right, and the 12 tribes of Israel. For the body of Christ was his purpose for the heavenly places, right, and how he will help uh, use the body of Christ to help redeem the heavenly places and judge things in heaven. Right, So you see how they go hand in hand, these, uh, this twofold purpose that God has. Uh, So, last time we talked about how things on earth are in Christ, right, by keeping the law, Uh, you find that in John 15, uh, you are in Christ if you keep my commandments, right, you are my friend, and you abide in my love, if you do what I say, is what he teaches, Uh, he gives the analogy of uh, a vine, or a tree, and how you have to be in that vine, you have to be a branch in it, and if you don't bear the fruit, you get cut off, right, and cast into the fire, uh, so you have that abiding by keeping the law, right, by producing the fruit. Uh, that's how you are in Christ on earth under the prophecy uh, program that he revealed. Whereas Paul gives the analogy of you being a part of Christ's body, right? You're a member of his body. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 12, if you want to turn there, Verse 12, it says, for as the body is one and have many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. Uh, Verse 14, for the body is not one member, but many. And so he gives this analogy through the chapter uh, that we are many members of this one body. And so the point being that God doesn't cut off members of his body, right? He doesn't cut off his fingers, his hand, his feet, as you would a tree if that fruit, uh, if that limb is dead, that's right, not bearing fruit. Uh, so you have those two different analogies between the nation of Israel and the body of Christ. Right, You can see that difference there. Um, but you are in Christ today by, again, faith in his cross work and resurrection. Uh, this is very clear in the scripture. If you look at Romans 3, 23 through 25. It says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. All right, so you see there, you are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, uh, be a propitiation through faith in his blood. All right, So it's by faith in Christ, in his righteousness, that you are given salvation, that you are justified freely. Look at Galatians 3, verse 26 through 28. It says, For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. All right, so you see there, you are children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. And if you have been baptized into Christ, you are part of this body where there is neither Jew nor Greek, bond or free, male or female, you are all one in Christ Jesus. Right, And that is the unity that we have in the body of Christ. If you look at Ephesians 2.13, It says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were far off, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. All right. so again, in time past, Gentiles were apart from the covenants, apart from uh, God, right? They had no hope. That's what he says in verse 12. But now. So you see that difference. This was time past, but now God has revealed the mystery, right? And that's the age of grace that we're under today. And we are made nigh by the blood of Christ. Um. As you continue on here in Ephesians two, it says, For he is our peace, who have made both one and have broken down the middle wall partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for the making himself of twain, one new man, so making peace. Right. That one new man is that new creature, it's the body of Christ, where there is now Jew and Gentile. No difference between the two. Right. This is the mystery body of Christ. And you are placed into that, it's by his blood. Right, by faith in the blood of Christ is how you are in Christ uh, today. Uh, you cannot place yourself in the body of Christ. Right, The Spirit has to do it. Right, Upon your faith in Christ, the Spirit is who places you in the body of Christ. You don't do it yourself. Uh, in Ephesians 1, verse 13 and 14, it says, "...in whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation." In him also, after that you believe, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance, until the redemption of the purchased possession, unto the praise of His glory. All right. So, upon your faith in the gospel, uh, you are sealed with that Holy Spirit, right, which is the earnest, the first of our inheritance, right, until we have the redemption uh, of our bodies, right, the resurrection. Uh, so, you get that seal of the Holy Spirit. There in Ephesians four thirty, he says. Uh, to not grieve the Holy Spirit, whereby ye are sealed until the day of redemption. All right, so the Spirit seals you until that day of redemption. You do not place yourself in the body of Christ. It is the Spirit that seals you right, by placing you in the body of Christ. Uh, this is our spiritual baptism in 1 Corinthians twelve thirteen, It says, For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. Right, so you don't abide in Christ or abide in his love today by keeping his commandments. You are in Christ by faith in what Christ has done and the Spirit placing you and baptizing you into that body. All right, It's nothing you do in and of yourself to become a member of the body of Christ. It's only by what Christ has done. Second uh, Corinthians 1, another place that he talks about this. Verse 21 and 22, it says, Now he which establishes us with you in Christ and hath anointed us is God, who hath also sealed us and given the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. So it is God that has sealed us by placing the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. So again, it is the Spirit, it is God who puts you into the body of Christ, sealing you with His Spirit. It's nothing you can do in and of itself. And then lastly, God will use His body in some way to assist in the ministry of redeeming the heavenly places. So we looked at 1 Corinthians 6, 3. That talked about maybe not that we shall judge angels. Uh, there in Ephesians 3, verse 9 through 11, it says, "...and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hidden God, who created all things by Jesus Christ, to the intent now unto to the principalities and powers in heavenly places, Might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. So again, this was God's purpose, hidden God. Um, It was in Christ Jesus before the world began, right, but has now been made manifest. Uh, It says, to the intent that now into the principalities and powers in heavenly places, right, can be known the manifold wisdom of God. And again, that goes back to 1 Corinthians 2, the wisdom uh, that God had that he would use Christ Jesus in the body, to show God's uh, manifold wisdom to heavenly places, right? And how he would use that to help uh, redeem the heavenly places, to fulfill those positions that are left empty uh, by Satan and the fallen angels. Uh, and so now they know the purpose of that, right? Which is what First Corinthians 2 says. If they'd known it before, they would have tried to prevent it, right? But there's nothing they can do now because God has already uh, defeated them through his death and resurrection, right? Which is what the Scripture teaches. you. Uh, so that is how God will redeem the heavenly places, uh, because he has given his body uh, Jew and Gentile positions up here. to meet him in the air, and we'll ever be with the Lord up there, uh, and you will have positions here, and it says that we will judge angels, right, and you will have positions there. Uh, and So you can see how both these purposes come together to fulfill God's ultimate purpose of having all things in Christ, both in heaven and earth, in the dispensation of the fullness of time. So a little bit shorter lesson today, but are there any thoughts or questions on that?